Support for the Bronx Bomber Babble podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Really happy to be working with such a great company who have really revolutionized the shaving below the waist game. Guys, we've all been there. Shaving down low has always been a pain, but not anymore with the new Manscaped 3.0 lawnmower. I just got mine last week and wow, I've never felt better down there. It's a waterproof razor so you could use it in the shower and it also has an LED flashlight which really is a game changer because it gives you a great view at what you're shaving and it helps you avoid those annoying nicks and cuts. Manscaped is an amazing company and we want you to try it. Now you can get 20% off and free shipping when you use the code BABBLE at checkout. So visit manscaped.com and get 20% off your order plus free shipping when you use the code BABBLE. That's B-A-B-B-L-E, BABBLE. Manscaped, your balls will thank you. We are live for the 76th episode of the Bronx Bomber Babble podcast. I am your host, Matt Loves Luigi, and tonight we've got all four of us here. How are we doing, guys? Not too bad. Not too bad. Um, I think we are all should be very excited over the moves the Yankees have made, particularly with the fact that today they recently acquired a player to be named Layer. Or moves. Look, yeah. man. When when I was growing up, B named later was like one of my guys. Right, you know? like he was. I had all the B named later jerseys. He he was a star. And yeah, he, really, got, he, he was. He was up there. No, it's seriously. It was it was a good day for the Yankees. Uh, Jamison Tyon got him for four. Lower you level. Realize that didn't happen today, right? Or you you know I got mixed up with Otto. But Jamison Tyon, <laughs> the Yankees acquire. Yeah, so the Yankees get Jamison Tyon for four prospects who. Like, isn't it funny how we were all laughing? Like, oh, yeah, don't want to give up Clint. Don't want to give up. I mean, we, the most notable prospect we gave, give up for a tie-on is Miggy Yahoo. Who, <laughs> great nickname, but. Miggy Yahoo. Yahoo. <laughs> you see, like, wow. the propaganda that the Pirates tweeted out where they were just like, we acquired the Yankees. Yeah. 10th best prospect of Pirates, man. We all know why. I don't know where that list came from because Emily Pipeline just clearly like, had yeah. everyone outside the top 10. We're like yeah. pirates, we know why you did it. It's okay. Yeah. You don't try to sell the move to the fan base. <laughs> yeah, because the Yankees just completely fleeced them. Yeah, but yeah. but interesting enough about that trade, which I don't think was originally reported, but I don't know if you guys saw the tweet from Heyman today that the Rays were in on Tyon too, and thank fucking oh, God wow. they didn't snipe him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it'd just be glass now all over again. You know, two million dollars is out of their price range. <laughs> Yeah, you don't don't want to get too pricey. The Rays don't. Um, so yeah, Ty, we get Ty. might get doubled, might get uh, ten million or above. A whole two million, no thanks. Um, so yeah, Tyon, that news gets announced uh, Sunday, and then Monday, you know, everyone's just going about their day. It's I believe it's around noon, and Lindsey Adler reports Adam Adovino has been traded, which you know isn't shocking. I think we had been talking about that in the last few mm-hmm. episodes, how we kind of expected that. Yeah, guys. The, the, he was the, the shot. He was the perfect guy to trade for a salary dump. Right. That's exactly what happened. The yeah. shocking part was who we got traded to. We got traded to the Red Sox. Who? It's the first time we've made a trade with the Red Sox since the great Stephen Drew, I believe, which was what it was. Well, yeah. Over 2014. Only yeah, the second. Only the 
second Yankees Red Sox trade since 1998. Yeah. So, like I said, I said this before the show. Feel bad for Ada. Guy grew up a Yankee fan. Got to got to pitch for his team of his dreams. And then they literally traded him to the team he grew up in. <laughs> they traded him to the Red Sox. It's kind of crazy how all of a sudden he becomes one of the Red Sox best relievers. Like he's very valuable to the Red Sox. Obviously, mm. they just have your control. I just want to point out that I think it's hysterical that the Red Sox have gone so long, like a couple of years now, just trying to save so much money. They traded, you know, arguably the second best player in baseball. Um, they haven't signed like anyone good when they could have in the last few years. And then all of a sudden they just take on a guy who had a almost six ERA in 2020 that's making $9 million. Like, yeah. am I crazy or is that just very odd? I'm, honestly, for them, this is a good move. Like, what do you I'm have not to saying it's a bad move for them because they need bullpen help. I just think yeah. it's weird that the second Ottavino became available and the second Yankees wanted to trade him, the Red Sox jumped in and were like, yeah, even though he's making $9 million and we declined Martin Perez's four and a half million dollar option or whatever it was for 2021. The fact that they they still did all that shit with Mookie Betts and let him get away. I don't know. I just feel like you can't do like you can't let a player like that go like and be so have it be so transparently about the money. Like it was just I don't know. They, I feel like they just deserve it. And like it's gonna sound like I'm whatever because I'm a Yankee fan. But how are you gonna let a player like that go and then make this move like shortly after that? Like it just doesn't make any fucking sense. Alex, Wait, I, I agree Sox, with what you Sox said. Get rid of Mookie Betts. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> Alex, you're right. You're right in that it's it's a weird move for them. Yeah. But I, I mean, I think I think it's weirder that they bailed out the Yankees, that they allowed the Yankees to that play into the, the 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 tax game, right? That they well, did the Yankees a favor. It's not even about the player they got. I would argue that it's not as weird just because the Red Sox right now are not in the same. Uh, realm as the Yankees, the Red Sox. But, know but the Red Sox are close to to that line they're as well. Close, Remember, they still. But at the same time, they know they're probably not going to contend in 2021 just because there's three teams that are better than them. Well, that's and the other end of 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 the deal, right? You got to figure that they're going to be out of it come July, yeah. right? So Ottavino may only be there for half a season, and then yeah. they can flip him somewhere else and get even more prospects. So it's, it makes sense if they can eat half mm-hmm. the season's worth of money for it. Yeah, if you look at it that way, it makes more sense for them. Hornet, you know, that's still paying him for a little over four million dollars for half a season. Yeah, but if he ends up being really valuable, to then look, there's Otto, a, there's definitely a, there's definitely a path for Otto to just have a great year. That's what the Red oh, yeah, Sox are yeah. looking at. So they're like, look, we're probably gonna suck if Otto ends up sucking. Oh well, but he could end up being really good, and maybe a team. And let's say. Yeah, then you could, like Andrew said, you could flip him to a contender. Yeah. But and plus, the thing about it, he probably will, he probably slots in immediately as their closer, because who else is going to be their the closer on that team? <laughs> oh, Stern, man. That is, that's a scary sight. Yeah. The ninth. Oh man, oh, guys. Every talking... every single game, the Red Sox are up by one or two runs. The bases are going to be loaded. I mean, look. Yeah, would you trust? Adam Adovino to come in in, in those situations any more than you trust Brazier or Barnes? Uh, guys, let's talk more about Jamison Tyon because uh, that's really the that's the big news of the uh, of the show. Really, uh, man, it feels so damn good just to have depth 
in the starting rotation. Uh, yeah. For those who don't really know a lot about Tyon, former number two overall um, from Florida, uh, not important at all. Um, his last, his really good year was in a 2018, 3.2 ERA. Um, you know what I really like about him? He doesn't give up a lot of home runs. And it seems like the Yankees have had a lot of starters over the last few years who give up a lot of home runs, in case you haven't noticed. Uh, you know, Cole, Hap, Massa. So, you know, I mean, obviously, I, his home run per nine numbers are probably going to go up a little bit uh, pitching in Yankee Stadium. But it's nice to have a guy who keeps the ball in the park. Uh, didn't pitch at all last year, right? He's had, the, the big thing with Tyon, obviously, is the two Tom and Johns. Right. Not a lot yeah. of guys have come back from two Tommy John. One Tommy John is obviously very normal, especially today. Well, okay, the, two the Tommy only, Johns. The only not. thing I would say that is a little that makes that a little bit less um, like kind of risky of a situation is that the first Tommy John he had was when he was still very, very young. It was before he even pitched in the majors. So even though it does suck that he's had two of them and that is a huge red flag i it's not like he you know he made his debut in 2016 and then he had tommy john after that and then he has tommy john you know three years later that would be a huge red flag i think well the stats are are concerning uh i believe it's something like people who have a second tommy john surgery um 75 percent of them return to pitching 55 of them uh last on rosters or, or something to that effect, but I don't know if you guys got to check out um, Lindsay Adler's piece on him in, in the athletic from, I believe it was this morning before she dropped the news of the Adovino trade, but he actually reconfigured his mechanics, uh, shortened his arm path and, and did a lot of stuff to try and drive, uh, you know, more power from his lower body instead of his shoulders and his elbow that I know two elbow surgeries is concerning, but if he's reworking his way, reworking his entire delivery, they made the comparison to um, they made the comparison to, to Lucas Giolito, who did a, a very similar mm. um, reconstruction on on their delivery, and look what he's done, right? Yeah. Since since he made that well, change, no, he's it, a perennial yeah, Cy Young. One thing yeah. I noticed, if you look at in that video of Tyon, he his arm is very like close to his body, and then he just pushes off and throws the ball. Where if you look at him in 2018, he kind of slings his arm back, almost like uh, Paxton does. So, and I feel like that's definitely, like you said, a uh, product of the fact that he's had to learn how to use his arm again from the mm-hmm. t- second Tommy John. Yeah, yeah well, he was at his best. I mean, he obviously has his four-seam fastball sat in mid-90s, but his best pitch was really like it listed as a sinker, but it almost moved like a two-seam, which is also mid-90s. So, yeah, he's got really but, good but stuff. But I did see that they're probably going to move him away from that sinker because that's the one that's yeah. elbow, right? Right. Um, the sinker and the splitter are, are – notorious for, for fucking up elbows and you know the yankees love sliders i i know that was a, a larry rothschild sliders. stigma but it's still, it's still true under matt blake uh, he has a really good slider too uh, i think adler made the comparison that it kind of goes a slider then they call it a cutter and then they call it a slider again because just the way it moves it's kind of an in-betweener but i think he'll use a lot of that and the curveball could be a, a really good pitch for him uh, keith law noted that he has really really high ground ball rates and low home run rates on fly balls. So he's a perfect fit for Yankee Stadium. Yep, 0.9 home run per nine in his career. He's got a changeup too, but he, I don't think he throws it very often. Yeah, like no, they, yeah, like I was listening, they said to a few different things about him. They said he almost never throws his changeup, but he does have one. 
Yeah, look, this is really – you look at the Yankees, all the starters they have now, right? And it really becomes – all right, now we got Kluber. Now hopefully Sevy comes back in the summer. Now we got Tyon, Gumby, Debbie. We just need two of these guys to be good. Yeah, We just need two of these guys to be pretty good, and we feel really good about that. And Look, the Kluber move by itself, a lot of people didn't love. But now you combine the Kluber signing – with this trade, now you got a you got a lot of upside here. Now here's the thing. Here's the downside. It could all backfire. <laughs> here's a lot of injury prone guys. Yeah, right? you got guys like Tyon didn't pitch last year. He's had two Tommy John. Kluber threw an inning last year. He's had some. You know, obviously he's getting older and he's had some injury issues the last few years. Sevy obviously has had some injury issues the last few years. Like you're, you're looking at the, there's a chance that Sevy, Kluber, and Jamison give you a combined. 20 starts yeah there's, like that's there's, a real possibility. there's a chance that at the end of this year we're we look back on it and go okay so the rotation from 2021 was basically how the rotation was at the end of 2020 with yeah. cole Yikes. and all the minor <laughs> leaguers we did for rain. The rotation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I, but the thing that i look at is look at this point our game two starter is, or if we're in a game two in a playoff series at this point, it's not going to be Jay Happ and Debbie combo. Yeah, exactly. Right. It'll be either a Kluber, a Tyon, or a Sebi. And remember, and that, was just to, that was just that was just it was to keep Tanaka and Cole from having to pitch back to back games. And yeah. even Tanaka wasn't a great option had they just gone with him in game two. Oh, because we know Tanaka, he got he got blown Tanaka off the face. Also, Tanaka also needed days off because he had just pitched in the wild card series in game two of that. Right, and he had to warm up like three times because there was two rain delays. In that exactly, game. and he was also terrible that night too. Yeah, yeah he was. And like, also, this like, is like we've said before. I, I at least attribute that a lot to the rain and the fact that he had to warm up twice. This makes it very official that Tanaka's gone. Also, now if it yeah. already wasn't official, this makes it officially official. Yeah. It's like yeah, Tanaka's not going back. It makes no sense at this point. Unless they pull something wild and trade Gumby and, you know, Schmidt or they trade. That's not going to pay enough money, though. You'd have to trade someone like Hicks. Well, no, and if Tanaka's asking price comes down, like a lot of stuff would have to just fall into place for them to resign mm -hmm. Tanaka. And they also, and like I said, they also almost would need to trade like two of Gumby, Garcia, Schmidt, and King just to even kind of justify that because they're spending they're, why would you spend money on Tanaka? Whoa, 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 slow it down there. If they're gonna spend more money in free agency on another starter, those guys, King and Schmidt, you gotta ship them to the bullpen because you didn't spend any money on the bullpen. No, that, that, that's what good. I'm saying. There's no point in spending in to get another starter when you have four other starters ready. So what's the point in that? And right. their put, their depth chart right now is is eight feet. Yeah, exactly. Putting Schmidt and King in the bullpen is—they already tried that. Like they were not very good out of the bullpen in 2020, because both of them are starters. And I don't want to get down the rabbit hole of that. I seem to get down every single time. I don't think they put them this. in great positions, though. You know. Yeah, no, that's what—that's what I'm saying. That I get always get down the rabbit hole of every single time the Yankees have a good start and then they stick them in the bullpen. It's always putting them in a terrible position. But let's not right. get and then they that. bring him in. And otherwise, the base is loaded, one out. Yeah, we, we freed up for nine million dollars. 
I imagine some of these decisions will be made like before, or at least discussed before spring training because King was in the bullpen last year. Like, you can't have nine guys coming to spring training expecting to be a starter. Like, you know, they probably have like preliminary. I um, Garcia, well, sure King, and I mean, some of these guys have options. all going to be on the Yankees in the, like their opening day roster. Right, and the minor league should be back this year. Yeah, at least I know. I think I saw things saying at least Triple A is planning on being back. Double A and below mm-hmm. is like up in the air, but even if they but have, I'm sure, then they can have a taxi squad type thing in or a satellite camp for those guys. Exactly. Not exactly. that that King would drop all the way down to Double A anyway. But no, 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 no. But at least I would think at least two of the three of King, Schmidt, and Garcia will start the season in the minors, not on the Yankees' um, opening day roster. Just because... Well, unless he has a, a, a pathetic uh, spring training, you would hope that Davey's the one guy who gets through because he already yeah. was a part of the rotation last exactly. year. Exactly. And same with Montgomery, too. Right. Because Montgom- Montgomery's been around for a lot longer. So well, I, I think that's think- it, right? Severino's out until probably what, July, August. I was about to say, no both have- in the first half of the season because of Seve. Like yeah. we're we're just mm-hmm. counting Sevy as like kind of like an end game rotation once the end of the season comes around. But yeah, open right. And the Yankees will try and pitch the guys. Oh, this was our trade deadline acquisition. Oh yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah. They, they have that line I, ready to go. Like, well, getting Sevy back is basically like acquired. Totally pitcher. not. It's better than any starter we could have traded for. Because of that, it's going to be another 2015 where they get Dustin Ackley, and that's it. Oh my god. Yeah. So. Okay, so with the auto, obviously with the auto salary dump, we expect them to get a, either another another really good relief pitcher or just another two decent relief pitchers, right? Or a relief pitcher and Gardner. I forget, I keep forgetting about Gardner just because yeah. he's going to be such little money, and I feel like no matter what, that's just going to get done. But yeah, and they've already did, paid him two and a half million. We did hear the first. We did hear the first Gardner report of the offseason, though. It's a couple of days ago. It's like, oh, the Yankees and Gardner, and they're still talking. They went to Gardner, and Jack Curry also said he expects that Gardner is – he'll he'll be back eventually. Yeah, it was literally the first Gardy report of the offseason. It was like, okay, there it is. I I guarantee – like, I think I said it either the last pot or before that the Yankees probably told Gardner, all right, our focus right now is on DJ. Once there's a resolution to that, we'll bring you back. We just want yeah. to see how much money it's going to cost to get DJ. And Gardner, I don't think Gardner wants to play anywhere other than the Yankees yeah. anyway. So he's just sitting I, around I, waiting. If you're, if you're with the same team for, what is it? 14 years now. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to want to go anywhere else unless you're Tom Brady. Especially that's the thing, um, especially especially when you're just on the t- team like the Yankees. Guard is probably thinking to himself like, man, imagine if I got traded to a team like um, the Royals, just like a shit team who's not going anywhere for like the last year or two of my career. Like, screw that, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. no, he's not. And a lot of the a lot of other teams like a team like the Royals probably would look at Guard and be like, okay, he's a good, he could be a good pickup because. He's the ideal type of guy. Sign him to a cheap one-year deal. If he has a good start, good first half of the season, trade him at the trade deadline. Get something. And he's going to be a good veteran presence for exactly because he has so much playoff experience. No, he he's the ideal Oakland Athletics signing, right? Sign him, 
play him for Twenty seventy year, games. Five million. Trade him before the trade. deadline. Yeah, Look what they do. I was gonna say like they wouldn't even need to really make another move, right? Like they could keep Talkman and Gardner because Stanton's really not an outfielder anymore, so they wouldn't even be carrying like five outfielders. Just well, be... They they would still have five outfielders. You have Judge, Hicks, Clint, Talkman, and then Gardner would be five. five. Yep. I think you need five yep. because you have to you bank on yeah. you have to bank on Judge. Hicks, see, the, I and think, and probably Clint like all missing games of, each. Uh, I kind of feel like they might rely on Stanton a little bit in the outfield because there's no way he doesn't play there at least a few times if he's yeah happy. exactly no. And the thing is, the thing that people forget about Stanton is he. It's not that he can't play the outfield because in his career he's actually been Stan, a very, I mean, he has a from from the outfield. Like he isn't. He was a gold glove caliber right fielder when he was with the exactly. Miami. He mm-hmm. just. The Yankees decided to make him a DH because of his injury history. They're trying to preserve him so that the contract, which in fairness, becoming a complete albatross. His in his whole injury history has been more of a concern with the Yankees, right? Because if you go back to his time in Miami and then Florida before they were called the Miami Marlins, he really only missed time for two significant injuries one when he took a fastball to the fucking say, face was a fluke so that like, uh, and the other one was when he swung the bat and like some it was another fluke injury where a, he broke a bone in his wrist from swinging and it's just like yeah. that's something that's, that's not, not a repeatable thing you can pre- like you can prevent by right. it wasn't nagging injuries like mm-hmm. you know constant hamstring like he's had the calf injury years wrong with us. A string of it was a jacoby ellsbury like right but that was never you know, to, to no, it's not his, a, his, his it's Yankees not injury a, history is yeah. similar to his Marlins injury history. They're two completely different animals. Yeah, exactly. And Which I, because I don't blame I don't blame the Yankees for doing that, but also at the same time, I don't think it's going to keep up because, like we're saying, it's not a trend in Sand's career that he just gets a bunch of nagging injuries that keep him out for long. It's only basically for this past season and a little bit, or basically for 2019 and some of. 2020. In 2020, so, like, I would fair, obviously, because it was just such a short season. So. Yeah, no, and that's a, that's another thing. You can't really judge anything from this past season just because of how short and weird it was with all the, you know, spring training and stuff being in March and then canceled and, and brought back in July and but I'll tell you what you can value is everything he did in the postseason when he was an absolute tank. Exactly. That's oh, the that's man. the real stand right there. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's worth every penny. Forget if Stanton is completely healthy, no pitcher in their right mind wants to face him. No. Because if you make a mistake to him, that ball is going four hundred and fifty feet. And it, it makes Aaron Judge better. Mm-hmm. It makes they'll probably put Hicks between the two of them. Yeah. Some lefty between the two of them, it makes that person better too, just because of the protection. I mean, yeah. It completely lengthens the lineup. Exactly. We've seen it in sports in the playoffs because he's he's played in the each of the last two postseasons, despite missing a lot of the the regular seasons. But you get you know fifty, sixty games straight of the same lineup every day, and he's in the middle of that. I mean, that's that's fun baseball for for, for you know, you're enjoying every day putting on the TV during the summer. Exactly, absolutely. That's the re- that, that's uh, the that one home run Stanton had, that one home run Stanton had, and I forget. I think it was off class. Now I think it was the farthest home run I've ever seen. Whatever. That's the, uh, the one distance. That he 
Yeah, whatever yeah. stat cast had for that distance was like 80 feet too short. I think they said it was like 440 or something. I was like, nope, that was 530. And that was with the marine layer because no other balls yeah. were leaving that. Yeah, the ball was just... a missile. I love seeing Stan hit fastballs for home runs because I've never seen anyone hit a fastball and just it. You know, the second that you it's hit, that thing is gone. I don't know. I'll tell you what I think. I think when he sits on on hanging sliders, I know there's oh, this I, thing. I, I know, he's swinging at the slider, I'm going away. Saying I only like when he hits fastballs. I just no, no, no. But but like I'm saying, the slider, That's the pitch exactly comes in slower. You, it's like you, you you're seeing it in slow motion as it happens, yeah. right? Like you know that pitch is just slinging there. Like oh, he's here comes that swing. You see him rear back, his eyes get wide, and just bam. That's... And it's also such a good sign when he hits a off-speed pitch like that out for a home run because mm -hmm. if Stan's hitting if he's just hitting sliders for home runs sliders, you know, sliders, sliders. Sliders, sliders you know when a play when the players like Stan are hitting sliders <laughs> boy <God>. um, <laughs> they had that Stanton home run off glass note 460 by the way yeah that's, yeah, okay. that's, not that's, what, I, that's what I was like it was 80 feet too short the ball was obliterated um another thing about uh jameson tyon that i forgot to mention he's best friends with garrett cole and cole told the yankees to make the move apparently so really yeah mm. allegedly so that's pretty cool um but yeah honestly as we were talking about stanton i was just picturing all the yankees like home run swings and like home run strides and like the you know the home run looks they give right after fucking ripping one, maybe miss baseball. It really makes me miss baseball. I, I think this past week was the first time that I was that I got really excited, and I really like missed baseball because the last couple months, it's kind of been tough to be like excited well, about okay, baseball. You think about it. We had the stretch of like the three or four consecutive pods where we were just kind of down in the dust and Luigi you and I had that one night where we just literally vented about how angry we were at the Yankees and it just wasn't yeah, it was it was looking we really interested bleak. and then all of a sudden they re-signed DJ they signed Kluber they trade for Tyon and we're just all of a sudden like okay the, the, this it's is much more that's like that's very all good. we wanted. Like you know, it's like I would get DJ back, added two mm -hmm. pretty good starting pitchers. Probably gonna add, got rid of Otto. Probably gonna replace him with a pretty good bullpen arm or two. Got uh, you know, got back Guardy. Okay, like that's yeah. it. Like we weren't, we weren't like these fans who were like, okay, get Bauer, get yeah. real music. Nah, we were realistic. What I get that like I kind of disagree with the Yankees being so concerned about the luxury tax. Like they should just say fuck it and go for it. We haven't won a World Series in twelve years. But we realize that's what they're doing, and they're doing the best they can with that. And I think they've done a pretty good job this offseason, and yeah. they're still not completely done. I think they still have, like I said, another move or two up their sleeve. But this is pretty much the bulk of it, and I think we're all pretty satisfied with it. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, a few weeks ago, I, I we were up in arms. I forget who said it on Twitter, but I saw someone say on Twitter that – if you really think about it, the Yankees have quietly had a very, very good offseason, even though their moves have come in one big wave. And because of that, they are probably the best team in the AL right now. Because, you and know, we mentioned they're like, not even done yet because exactly. they still have moves to make. Look, you look at the, the teams, the AL teams that made the playoffs last year. You have 
the Jays, who have gotten were, better, have gotten better, but they still their pitching is still a question mark. You have right. the Rays, who traded their best pitcher. The Astros lost Springer. The White Sox have gotten better because of getting Hendricks, and they just you know they're they're a very they're a more complete team. And they I think also got Tony Larusa. Oh, you know that. It, how could I forget that? And then you look at Oakland, and, and they lost Hendricks, and that's exactly probably they lost Hendricks. They might lose Semyon. They're they've also lost. Oh yeah, he's team. he's definitely gone. Yeah, and then the the Indians they traded, you know. One of the arguably icons. one of the best shortstops, if not the best shortstop in baseball. All the playoff teams are like, the majority of them have either gotten worse or just weren't on the Yankees' field to begin with. So the Yankees right now, I would say, are probably the most complete and overall just scariest team in the AL. Yeah, the, the, it's crazy to think that right now the Yankees' biggest Achilles heel could be the bullpen, which has yeah. been the one thing it's that's held our team together in the last seven years. One thing that I think is that the bullpen the last few years has been so hyped up. It's like, oh, this is going to be the best bullpen ever. And it just seems like it isn't. But what you look at the Yankees' bullpen stats the last few years, the Yankees' bullpen has been very good. It just... I think their bullpen is hyped up so much as it's going to be lights out, and then all of a sudden, auto. But I think more than what you see on a stat sheet, we watch the games, and we know that there are certain guys who come in and consistently struggle, and there are certain spots where you're watching a game, you're up 5-3 in the seventh inning, you're like, how the hell are we going to get this game to Chapman? Uh, you know, you don't trust the guys in the middle you know, between Britain and Chapman and whoever the starter was. And, and Green's only thrown three days in a row, so he's not available. So, I mean, there is some weaknesses that, that need to be addressed. Exactly, and that, that's the big point. Like, losing Dylan out of that especially more obvious last year. He had missed a lot of the previous year because he was hurt. It was still a guy who was like an automatic strikeout and could pitch more than one inning. And then it just left you with Green and Britton and Chapman and whoever. That's why we're bringing in Johnny Lasagna in a playoff game because – you lost like a huge key arm out of there and didn't really replace him. And that's something that they can choose to do this year. We talked about the money they freed up with the Ottavino trade today. They could just say, let's hold on to that cap space and use until the trade deadline. I mean, you don't necessarily have to spend the money right now. I get you'd want to have the best bullpen possible to open the season, but if there's someone available that is not – in consideration right now and you can get them remember you only have to pick up half their seasons worth of salary at that point maybe minimal prospect gain or whatever needs to be done right there could be someone who we're not even considering right now maybe a team that thinks that they're going to be a contender they start falling out because of injuries or underperformance or whatever literally, literally every team in the nl central right or, or even the nl east who could fourth you look at that and you say four or all five of those teams could be in, in NL, competition NL that's not for us but the, th the thing the with the NL East is not e is not all those teams are going to be good next year. Right. You, know, you look at it, the Phillies lose real new. So they might finish last. Talent-wise, I think the NL East is probably the best division in baseball. Yeah. No, I Honestly. agree with that. But like the Marlins made the playoffs last year, yes, in a short in the year, and you know, with not a great record, and the they might just finish last because every team got. What? 
thing is, though, the Marlins have a sneakily good roster. No, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, the Marlins are, like, so- a solid team, and they yeah. just might finish last because every other team got a lot better. It's better. You know, like the yeah. I would better. say the Phillies the are, might, are probably going to finish might last. finish last place and still win 84, 85 games. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I feel like you're – Girardi, remember how Girardi had all those shit Yankee teams and they'd always just win 80, 85 games? Like, I trust Girardi to have the last year. He had Didi have a career. The worst bullpen of all time. Yeah, Yeah. that's true. (laughs) Oh, man. I remember, like, I had, I just went down a rabbit hole one day of just looking at Philly's bullpen stats from that year. Just awful. Like, it was. Dude, there was one point where they didn't have anyone in their bullpen with below like a seven ERA. It was yeah. like thirteen point eight, seventeen point five. It was and unbelievable. One of the big things that got them was the fact that D Rob got injured and didn't pitch at all this year. Was they because they probably signed him before the twenty eighteen season, thinking, <laughs> Oh yeah, all right, he's he's our guy. He's our yeah. closer. And then he basically didn't pitch at all for them. And their solution to that D-Rob was... D-Rob reunion, question mark? Oh, well, that's the thing. I mean, do you want a 37-year-old or how no, old is he? I'm just saying, I'm saying guy I totally see that happen. If, if, if you sign him, like, one year, like, four or five million, I don't really mind that. I wouldn't be mad. He, I'm not sure he deserves even that much, given how little he's pitched. I mean, not what if he's willing to come back for a little less than that on, like, a flyer, then, yeah, I would definitely entertain him, but otherwise, no. Honestly, if you just wanted to, like, Come pitch for free. Free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. Hey, but D-Rob. I could, I could totally see us. For us. Sure, how much? Uh, nothing. Uh, that's the thing. I don't know. I remember how much I despised him on the way out in 2018. Andrew, you didn't <laughs> like him? Really? <laughs> Andrew could have just ended, I remember how much I despised, and that's just it. It's like, all right, yeah. Every, he had some really, really bad games in that 2017. Uh, but I could. Th- my point was, I could totally see us just at just like the end of the day, like oh, on February eighth. It's like, yeah, oh, we resign. We resign David Robertson one year, like four million. Mm-hmm. Like I, I could just see that happening. Yeah, Not that I wanted to happen because there's a lot better guys out there. But, but it yeah, wouldn't be the worst be a Yankee move in the world. It's better than you know. No, I mean, if, if they're making uh, anything the. Like going through the effort to clear up the money, and they got, they accomplished what I thought was going to be difficult, and got nine million dollars of Adovino off the books. Like I'd much rather. It's like the same thing about Tanaka. Would it have been nice in in like a last line of defense, like bring him back? But at some point, you have to move on and not really focus on the sentimentality, and just go and look for the for the upgrade. So breaking news as we're recording this. The Rakuten Eagles are poised to make a formal offer to free agent Masahiro Tanaka. So really? Tanaka most likely going back to Japan to pitch. Company man. He's going to ride or die with the Yankees. Which I, I love. Mean, like, I, I, I have was... a lot of respect for him for doing that just because yeah. he, he came here. He, wa- he wanted to pitch for the Yankees. He did that for seven years. He stayed with them after his opt-out. And he might have just not wanted to go around and play for a bunch of different teams. And with the way he pitched last year, he probably was not going to get a multi-year contract. And this is a really shitty year to be a free agent. So he's probably going to take a deal if he ends up moving back to Japan and playing there. He'll probably take a deal um, similar to what uh, Shigano got, right? Where it's Mm -hmm. a three or four year deal, but there's opt-outs after every single season. So like, let's say he goes in and just tears up 
Um, yeah, he goes back and you know reverts to or like how I mean, his numbers will be better naturally in Japan to begin with because it's, a, it's yeah. a weaker offensive league. But let's say he he does enough to open up some eyes in the MLB after one season in Japan, he can just opt out and say, you know what, I'm going to come back to yeah. And if someone, and maybe if the Yankees need a need, I have a need in the rotation, then maybe they extend him an offer for less than he's asking for now. But at that yeah, point, no, if he if he's if he's good in Japan and opts out, and the Yankees say, hey, what, how's a three year ten probably fifteen to twenty? I do twenty million if he's if he's good and yeah. healthy. Yeah, years, if you if you give him a three year sixty million contract, I guarantee you he would want to come back. I'm just not willing also, to, to hitch my wagon to so him this young. year. Let's not get carried away here. I'm not trying to give at that point what would be like a 34 year old Tanaka who's not going to be throwing very hard at all a three year contract. He doesn't throw hard right now. So who cares? Yeah, it's not. Gee, not it's not. He was he, 95, but like no, he's, I mean, he's 32. I would say we should all care because he already gives up a lot of home runs and does still have the concern about his elbow and hasn't had an ERA under. I'm not going to say number because it'll be wrong, but he's had a higher ERA than we would have preferred for the last couple of years. I'm just saying before you start, yeah. getting, before you start getting into multi-year contracts. Well, I'm 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 not saying multi-year contracts right now. I'm saying he goes back to Japan and pitches well enough to warrant someone giving him a multi-year contract. I'm not saying we give him a three-year contract right now because that would be insane. Oh no, I mean I get that. I'm just saying it's. It wouldn't necessarily be a thing that I would expect him has such a dramatic uptick in performance based on how he's pitched. But I mean, I would love to see it because I love Tanaka. Yeah, that'll that'll most likely close the book on Tanaka and the MLB. Most likely, obviously, you never know. We've seen guys go overseas and then turn in the MLB. I mean, but... he was older at the time, but Hiroki Kuroda was pitching really well. He left and never came back. Yeah. Uh, how, it's kind of you know now that's official. We knew it was coming. I'm kind of feeling a little sad that it's now looking for for certain that Moss is gone. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be different because yeah, you just like kind of think back at his Yankee career. It's like obviously never won a championship with us, but he had a pretty nice career for us. He, he was pretty a, solid. He's really, he's had a lot of like very solid highlights in his yeah, career. If absolutely. you look at him. When you think of Tanaka, you think of the 2017 ALDS game against the Indians. Absolute tank absolutely... in the 2017 playoffs. Yeah, his just his playoffs in the 20 in 2017 was so clutch, and even 2019 he was very good. Game one in the ALCS of 2019 against the Astros, it was like what he threw six innings or something had like 60 pitches. Yeah, he and then the Yankees took him. And they won that game easy, but they then, won, yeah, mean, won the game nothing. He also gave up the back-breaking three-run home run in game yeah, four. Yeah, that was a that was a killer. But was was that to Korea or Springer? That was to Springer. Because if Springer I means more, the reason Carl, for him not to to want to Carlos Korea, 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 Carlos, Carlos South Korea. Um, God, tip your cap. He has a brother. Yeah. He has a brother named Carlos North Korea. Lol. It's, that's the that's the angry brother, um, yeah. Pouring out for Masa. Um, hope he kills. I'm happy for him. He's gonna go. Yeah, happy consummate, like literally the consummate professional. So 
Yeah. Well, it's the same goes back to There's Japan and the that past. you can say about Tanaka, honestly. No, he had he had his downs in his career with the Yankees, but like, he was such a fun pitcher. And Luigi has said so many times that when Tanaka was on throwing shutouts every season, throwing his typical shutout every season, he's just so fun to watch because he's such a pitcher. Someone like Cole will just go up there and throw 95 and throw dev- his devastating off speeds. Tanaka goes up there and throws 91, 92 with different breaks and stuff on every single little pitch, and you have no idea what he's going to throw next. Yeah, he was committed to the craft. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, look, if he doesn't come back, then he'll have the open invite to come back to all sorts of stuff in the future, and that'll be pretty cool. Um, Guys, let's, uh, let's finish up the show with uh, some Hall of Fame talk, right? Uh, the Hall of Fame voting is expected to be announced, uh, the final vo- results this week, and uh, based on the uh, trends, it's looking like, you know that, uh, what do you call it, that, like, Nathan for you gift? It's like, oh, like... Here's your dinner. It's nothing. And he's just like, <laughs> real like that's that's the MLB Hall of Fame. No one's going to get in. Uh, there's so many great players on the list. A lot of deserving guys. And no one's going to get in because uh, these boomers are boomers. Uh, I don't know what else to say. It's uh, crazy, it's, too. It's, the system's clearly at... flawed. It's just, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like I've been – people have been talking about this for as long as I can remember, like how broken the voting system is. It, it's just – I don't know. Like the fact yeah, everyone wants to put their own interpretation of the rules, right? So, yeah. first of all, it, the it, rules it, are so vague that every single person has their own thought process. There's, there's no specific way of determining whether someone is a Hall of Famer or not. It's just all opinion based. Right. If if there if there's if you're under the shadow of a PED usage now, obviously Bonds and Clemens mm-hmm. are confirmed cases. Someone like Gary Sheffield, who never really tested positive, uh, I technically. Sammy Sosa didn't, right? Uh, but I mean, it's pretty obvious he did. But you know what I'm saying? Like, there's anyone, anyone who's under that that shadow is pretty much blacklisted. And then you you have the morality clause where a guy like Kurt Schilling, who on the basis of what he did on the field, is absolutely deserving, right? It's not it's not up for discussion. And then people are gonna say, yeah, I know, you know, he's very outspoken on Twitter. He's like he's just a really hateful person. But like, you look at the Hall of Fame. There's people like like really big time bigots. Like from like the, the early 1900s, like horrible people got in when, I mean, so because he, the voting was based solely on, on what you did talent. on the field. So, so if if it, it's not fair to view people differently, I mean, I don't want to say let any garbage human being in today yeah. just because people got in the past. But I mean, Kurt Schilling is one of you can make an argument one of the top 50 pitchers in baseball history, right? Yeah. It, it, I think Ken Davidoff wrote about it today. It was either him or, or Sherman in, in the post uh, when they, they both released their, their ballots today. And, and one of the two of them said, when you tell the story of baseball, it feels incomplete without guys like Bonds and Clemens and Schilling, yeah. right? So I, I get everyone's own... Everyone wants to be allowed, their everyone's allowed to have their own opinion of the players, but you can't let that influence their actual, the actual stats that are the talent that they have. Mm-hmm. Barry Bonds hit 762 career home runs and won an MVP in, what was it, four years in a row? Yeah. And he's not in the Hall of Fame. Right, guys, and I'm next not- year is going to be his last year on the ballot. Yeah. Him and, and Clemens really need to hope that people 
because remember it happened with Larry Walker last year, right? He got in because it was his last year, and people said, you know what, we'll we'll rally behind him. Bonds and Clemens have to hope and pray for that. If Schilling last year too, he has no chance. Schilling's percent votes will 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 probably be cut in half. Yeah. Next year, so he's done. He he needs to get in this year. Yeah, and he's not. See, here's how here's how I look at it. And Alex is gonna get mad because I'm about to do another little crossbow analogy. Oh, here but, we go. No, seriously, like you look at it, like I always think of, like in terms, there's obviously every sport has a Hall of Fame, and I think like, I'm a Wait, big really? boxing fan. Baseball, yeah. Sport that even a Alex, even I think even NASCAR does. Um, oh my god. True, they do. It's actually just a highway. Um, anyways, <laughs> that's so seriously in box in boxing, like. There's a lot of bad shit that's happened in boxing with like mob and guys cheating, but all the bad shit that's happened, all like whatever, it's a part of the sport. It's a part of the history. Like that shit still gets in the Hall of Fame. And like that's with baseball. Like steroids and all that shit was a big part of baseball. Like that's like you can't tell the history of baseball without the steroid era. The steroid era is arguably like the most intriguing, interesting part of baseball history. And everyone knows that the MLB kind of let it slide for years because of the fucking ratings it was producing. The home run chase and these guys hitting dingers. So it's like they're partially responsible for all this, for letting it go. And now they're just going to spite these guys by not putting them in the Hall of Fame. It's like, like, look, we know Barry Bonds cheated. Like, there's a lot of people, like, obviously, Henry Aaron just died last week, and a lot of people still consider him the home run king. Like, it's still it, – like, you could consider Hank Aaron the home run king, but also still think Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame. It's yeah. like, yeah, I consider Hank Aaron the home run king because he did it the right way, but I also still think Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and, and it's not fair to put – situation at the time, Barry Bonds was the best hitter, you know, on the planet because yeah. – MLB basically wasn't doing anything about steroids, which pretty much made them allowed because I mean, during yeah, that era, they just, yeah, what, exactly. what, what tipping point where you think Barry Bonds started juicing 1997, 1998 era, right? So he looked at guys like McGuire and Sosa, who he knew he was infinitely more talented than, exactly. and they're putting up gigantic numbers, getting the headlines every day. Everyone's talking about the home run chase and that they're shattering records. And he said, fuck that. I'm better than these guys. I don't want to cheat, but I'm not going to let them yeah. end up their careers as a more profound, distinguished player than me. So he caved. And and I get that, that you know, two wrongs don't make a right here. But part of of the usage, what, what never gets talked about, you see, you, part of what never gets talked about is that guys that all these hitters faced, like shit pitchers, guys who have like five and a half, six ERAs, probably juice too. But they're not penalized because they're not even in discussion to make the Hall of Fame in the first place. No, and that's, but, I mean, and it's that's still the thing. Like, so there was probably so many other pitchers and players that juiced during that era that aren't talked about just because they didn't have they the bad. talent that Bonds and Sosa and Clemens did. And be, and one of my biggest things with the steroid era and people saying Bonds shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame is you can pump yourself full of steroids but if you don't know how to hit the ball you're still not going to do anything with that you're just pumping right. yourself full of drugs and it's bonds not, obviously uh, had unbelievable talent for hitting. right it's not like a michael's secret stuff from space jam where you just go from like being a complete loser to like being the home run king you do have to be able to hit the ball and like 
Bonds was a really good player. He was on a damn good track before well, he took the steroids. But like, well, it's like the, the think, whole thing. The, the whole thing they say about steroids, right? It's like it makes good players great, makes great players legendary. Exactly. Right? So yeah, I mean, like even I mean, baseball wasn't doing anything about it. So I don't know. I mean, it's if, this if is a whole other not taking steroids and like if like Luigi was saying, they make great players legendary. If he had just been a great player instead of argue you know arguably one of the best players of all time he could still have been have put up good enough numbers to without a doubt be all of famer yeah i mean it's it's just very silly like the whole process is just like uh i'm only voting for these people to make a point yeah and, and i'm it's just it's i mean it's very dumb you have this conversation literally every single year where it's like i voted for no one well then you know what that's stupid. Like, why what are you, you trying to make by voting like, for no one? That's the guys that, like, I'm the guys that make no their ballots like, public. That is better than that person. is better than voting for Ramos Ramirez. Though. Like a person, yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say a person voted for Ramos Ramirez, like who was like a good player for a few years. Like Tiffany Ramirez was is the definition a of a good to great player. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, I get, I get certain guys that are hang around on the ballot, right? A guy like Tory Hunter is kind of right on that cusp. He's uh, like the like, fall I, of good. Right, right. But I think I think certain players deserve to stay on the ballot for more than one year, right? A guy like Nick Swisher, who made the ballot this year, should be one and done, and he will. Yeah. Right? I think he's Jorge, Jorge Posada should have been on the ballot for more than one year. Right, right. So, like, for, for our, our BBB, Mock like I voted for Tory Hunter like he didn't come close to getting enough votes in, in our ballot right I, but I, I, I would throw a vote to someone like that because he was you know, one of the most elite defenders I've ever seen in my life yeah. right and now he's not a Hall of Famer but I mean that was a, a that was a vote where I had I had nine votes that I was comfortable with for people who I thought deserved and I had an extra vote and I'm a firm believer of of using all ten I'm not going to criticize someone if they don't but. I had the extra votes in our in our mock draft, right? Or mock ballot, and I said someone like that deserves just mm-hmm. to be propped up longer. Like we people like Tim Hudson got some votes in our mocks. Jeff Kent got less than I expected. Uh, even you know AJ Burnett got a vote, right? So uh, yeah. I, I get people who do that, but it's just the whole process is just annoying. It's just like oh well, so and so's on the ballot. I'm not going to vote for so and so because I don't think they deserve to get in on the first ballot, but they deserve to get in later. Or, you know, like stuff, something like that is only like if if you if you know they're not in danger of falling off, but like you already used all ten of your votes or something like. Otherwise, it's just like stop using your ballot to like make a point and just hey, you know what? This person's a hall of famer, so I'm going to vote them into the hall of fame. Like, stop submitting ballots for no one. Stop submitting ballots with one person. Like, just like I don't know. It's just very annoying, and I don't know what baseball can possibly do about it. And I don't think they're in a hurry to do anything about it anyway, because you know Rob Manfred. Gee, do you not like Rob Manfred? I mean, he's not one of my favorite people, no. Well, then you're not gonna like what broke today. <laughs> oh man! Because guys, what do we think about the Universal DH not it, happening? It, Oh God! The Universal DH. Needs I to mean, I think the fact that I we got lo- like into the modern era of baseball and it still isn't a thing is honestly just nah, so. Stupid. I think what's more baffling like is, is people who are like, I like seeing pitchers hit. I like. Dude, I like. Know, dude, I like watching pitchers hit too. No, you don't. Yeah, dude, I do. Go to batting practice then. Yeah, I like watching pitchers hit when my team is facing them. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's really it. 
But yeah, anyway, my thing with that is I, I cannot stand. I, I get how negotiations work, right? You have to meet in the middle, right? But this whole quid pro quo shit that that the owners pull every single time, like I get wanting expanded playoffs in a 60 game season in the middle of a pandemic. Teams need extra revenue and it creates more intrigue because more teams are, are in it late in the year. Fine. But the fact that they asked for that again this year in exchange for the universal DH, it's such bullshit, man. That, that made me so mad. Yeah, the fact well, that they're, they're not interested in improving the sport. They're just interested in being the fat cat sitting in the front, you know, the front office, just like dictating the rules. Yeah, I think it was it was Gus in our chat today who mentioned it, but he said something along the lines that these people aren't actually interested in furthering the game. It, they just want they want power. They don't even care what they have yeah. power in, right? They just want the control over the Major League Baseball Players Association, and that we we dictate what happens. You want this, you're going to have to mm-hmm. bend over backwards to get to give us something in order to do that. You can just see it, especially based idea. on how they've operated the last couple of years, you know, with free agency. It's like, you know what, if you don't want to give out like $300 million contracts every year, that's one thing. But even before the crisis, you know, financial hardships of COVID and not having fans or whatnot, it's like they still weren't doing anything in the off season. They're just sitting on the money. Like, and, you know, they're not going out. They're not seeking, actively seeking rule changes or things that will improve the game. They're sitting on money. They're not signing free agents. Like it's, they're not, they're not, they're not doing things to improve the sport. No, I agree. <laughs> I definitely agree with that. Um, guys, anything else we got to say? The Yankees are fun again. Eh, are they though? No, like why? I mean, do we have Trevor Bauer? No. no. They didn't sign George Springer either. So they're just That's a good they're, point. They're a disgrace. They didn't sign Marcus Simeon or Blake nope. Trinan. Hey, 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 hey. They Brad Hand. No, 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 no didn't guys, Brad, they haven't didn't, signed Brady. They didn't, don't uh, care. Didn't Brad Hand just sign somewhere today? He signed with yeah, the Nationals. Oh, that's right. Okay. Mets fans in hell. Yeah, rough week for the Mets. Yeah. Uh, I think that's going to do it for us. Uh, Yankees got Jameson Tyon. Otto to the Red Sox. Probably getting another relief pitcher. Guardy probably coming back. Starting to see this team shape up. Feels good. Um... Alex, kind of a casual. Uh, Andrew and G are boomers. What was that? Um, yeah, so that'll be it uh, for Luigi, <laughs> for Andrew, for Al- oh, I said Luigi. I'm such a dumbass. Um, <laughs> I was like, wait. I was like, I was like, wait. What, shouldn't this be over now? I still have two names left. Uh. <laughs> All right. So for Luigi. For Andrew, for Alex, for G. This was the Bronx Bomber Battle Podcast.